You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. This is Angie. I have on Zoom today because of uh, us all working remotely. I got Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hello, Mark. Good day, Angie. We're starting a brand new series, and I'm excited about this one. How do we grow in our faith? That's basically the topic. So growing in faith, there's a lot of different places we can go, Mark, and I'm excited about the different ways that we're going to take it. And today, we're actually going to include our testimony right into the whole show. So why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah, and once again, Angie, thanks. I am very excited today because as you guys have heard me say before, I typically pray and ask the Lord when we get a topic I asked the Lord, Lord, who would be a good person to call on to chime in on this? And I'm excited today because a good friend of mine, Pastor Will Urschel from Xenia, Ohio, who I met in Revive Green County. Will, thank you for joining us today. Sure. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. And so the exciting piece of this, like Angie said, is if you just throw out there the words grow in faith, man, that is such a huge topic. And I guess I want to have the listeners start right now by just thinking about all the examples that you know about through scripture of faith, where it talks about faith. Of course, I'm not going to give away the farm, but Hebrews 11 talks a lot about the fathers of faith, right? And we could go in and delve into each one of them. But today, it's always helpful to hear a personal testimony of how God grew our faith, how he grows our faith on a daily basis. And Will, as you well know, it doesn't matter who you are in the kingdom, God wants our faith to grow, there's a starting point where we're reconciled with God, right, through Christ. And, and there's a whole series of things that we get automatically. We, we get sonship and daughtership in the family, and uh, we get spiritual gifts, and we're placed in the heavenly places with God, and we have a position, uh, forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And all those things happen just instantaneously when we come to Christ. But then, you know, Paul talks about this whole thing of us growing in Christ and conforming to the image of Christ. And part of our, our real challenge at that point then is to put off how we used to do business, which is just trusting in ourselves and, and learning to actually start trusting in God and, and a lot of different aspects in our lives. The way I came into contact with Mark was through Revive Ohio. And, and Mark had come and uh, talked to our pastoral association about, uh, hey, what would it look like for us to work as a, a number of churches across denominations to go out and share the gospel in our community? We had some time of working together as churches, but boy, I'll tell you, it seemed like it, was, it might be kind of an insurmountable goal to get uh, Methodists and Episcopalians and Baptists and uh, folks from the, the Churches of Christ and other, other uh, Nazarene churches and actually together with a, with a like mind to be going out and sharing the gospel together. And because we just historically have not done those kind of things. And I, I just have to tell you, I, I come out of a denominational background. I'm, I'm a Baptist. And of course, there's, uh, there's 50 different flavors of Baptists. But my, my particular flavor is we're called the General Association of Regular Baptists. And, and due to our, our heritage, uh, we actually have a doctrinal position that we call the Doctrine of Second Separation, which is uh, if I'm okay and you're okay, but you're hanging out with somebody who's not okay, then I'm not going to hang out with you. And uh, it, it just, what, what it does over time is it basically says, I, I basically isolate myself from, from most of the, the rest of my brothers and sisters in Christ and just stay within my, my own group of association of churches. And so 
we were really challenged with this. How do we, are, are we ready to, do we want to step out and, uh, and, and walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our community to, to go share the gospel? And, and, you know, what would it look like for us to do that? So as I was, as I was driving away that day, uh, one of the things that, that Mark had shared with us about Revive that I, we thought was very interesting, as opposed to a lot of other uh, training and, and getting the church outside the walls was to say, hey, when you go out, let's just start praying for people. And don't, don't worry about how you're going to be sharing the four spiritual laws or, you know, trying to get them into that right away or the Romans road or whatever, whatever it is that you, you, you normally learn to be able to share the gospel. But what if it, what would it look like just to go up to, to somebody and say, Hey, Hey, what's going on in your life? What, what can I be praying for you today? And we all thought it was very intriguing because that wasn't a normal practice in our lives. And so one of the things I thought was, why well, can't, I can't really challenge my church to do that if I'm not really doing that myself. So um, over that next uh, six months, while we're in preparation for Revive, I, I really challenged myself to say, well, hey, what would it look like for me to go into Walmart and uh, instead of doing the normal customer thing, which is get my stuff and then be all upset because they got 20 cashier lines, only four of them are manned. And of course, I get the guy who's the slowest of all, right, in that context, and just be angry about, you know, getting out of the store. What, what if I went to the store and said, hey, what would it look like today if I was looking for somebody to pray for at Walmart? So at first it was scary because I wasn't used to praying for anybody at Walmart, right? And I thought, well, you know, what if they don't want to talk to me and, you know, do those kind of things? And I said, no, I'm, I got to learn how to trust God on this. So I, I just, I remember the first time I went to Walmart and I prayed and said, God, please, please, uh, if you got somebody to pray for, that's okay. But if there isn't anybody I need to pray for, I'm okay with that too. Whatever you need, God. And what do you know? I got in there and, and I asked the greeter at the door and, and this gal had some really serious things going on in her life. And she said, sure, you can pray for me. And so we prayed right there at the entrance of Walmart. And then God challenged me, what would it look like to do that at Speedway? And what would it look like to do that at the rental place, you know, where you rent your storage unit and uh, all the other places that we normally go in the marketplace. But when we go there, we're not thinking, we're not thinking at all about praying for somebody. We're not thinking about carrying anybody else's burden, right? What would it look like for us to be able to do that? So I, I said, uh, yeah, let's, let's get going on that. Then I was driving to church one morning and I said, wow. To get to my church, I have to drive by five other churches to get there. And let me tell you, we're usually so swamped with what we have going on in our own church. And very rarely am I even thinking about what's happening in the lives of the other churches as I'm going by. And it just struck me one morning. I said, here I'm, I'm talking about, I want to talk to my congregation about getting out into our community and praying together. What would it look like if we actually got there and did that with each other? Yeah. So I, I got up one morning. I said, well, maybe I just need to drop in and stop by and talk to one of these other folks at the church and, and, and pray with them. And I'll tell you the first time I did that, I stopped at uh, one of our churches of God and uh, I'm walking up and I thought, this is really stupid. You know, I don't even know any of these people and here I'm walking up and that, it's going to look really weird for me to come up and ask them what I can be praying for them. And who would I talk to? I mean, am I supposed to go find the pastor? Am I, you know, who's going to be there at the door and stuff. And uh, so I, I walked in the church early about eight o'clock and their service start till, you know, nine 30 and, like there's nobody there. And so I'm wandering through the church and I find the guy who was, uh, who was there to do the setup for the church. And I just said, Hey, you know, my name's Will and I'm just pastor one of the other churches. And I just was driving by and, and I thought, I just would like to stop and ask you, you know, what can I pray for your church this morning? And it turned out they were having a really hard time in their church right then and uh, some really difficult things. And he shared them with me and we just prayed with each other. And so I went on my church and I thought, Oh, that was really cool. And then uh, next week I got up and I decided, well, maybe I'll stop by here again. And, and I did. 
And, you know, there's an interesting thing about churches in the morning. They all have their own routines, right? So some churches, it's the children's workers that get there first. And some churches, it's the, uh, it's the musicians. And sometimes it's the pastor. It doesn't matter. But the same guy was there. And I walked in and, and he said, yeah, let's pray again. And then I went on to the next church. And guess what? It was their worship team. And they were up in the front rehearsing their, their uh, worship songs. And I thought, man, this is going to be kind of weird. But I just walked up to the front of the stage. And I said, hey, you know, and they stopped. They're kind of looking at me like, okay, who are you and why are you here? And I said, hey, you know, my name's Will, and I'm pastor of the church right down the street here. And just driving by, and I just thought I, I ought to stop and pray for you guys. And it was interesting. Uh, they kind of looked at each other. They said, okay, yeah. And they shared a few things, and we just we, we prayed for each other. And so this went on for uh, six months. And uh, eventually, I got to the point where I was stopping by about six or seven churches before I got to my church. And, and sometimes it was the children's pastor. Sometimes it was the worship group, Okay. Other churches, it would be the guy, you know, who's setting up the coffee, right? Uh, one of the other churches, the pastor got there real, real early, and I was able to walk in and pray with him in his office and stuff. But, you know, what I found out about that was I started to get to know what's going on with my brothers and sisters in Christ, because all these one another things we're supposed to be doing for each other, right? You read through the New Testament, there's about 35 one another commands. We're supposed to Love one another, bear one another's burdens, right? Uh, spur one another on to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Confront one another in love. And you can go on and on. You can't do any of them unless you know somebody and are actually talking with them, interacting with them, right? And one thing I reflect on is we work really hard on that in our own church. But we don't even think about that within the context of the broader body of Christ in our city. And, and a lot of times we, we think about all the barriers and, and we almost look at other churches as we're competing with them, right? So a lot of times when Paul says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, we end up, we rejoice when the other churches are mourning and we mourn when the other churches are rejoicing because we said, oh, we're in competition with you. And so when things are going really well for you, that makes us look bad. And man, when things are going bad for you, maybe it makes us look good. And one of the things I found is as I went and started praying with the, the folks at the churches, when they were mourning, I could mourn with them. And when they were rejoicing, I could rejoice with them. And you got to know on a weekly basis what those things were. And the amazing thing was, as I did this, the guys who were the greeters at the door, when I come up and we got to know each other, they'd grab some of the people from their congregation that were sitting around and said, hey, let's get together with Will and let's pray with him now. And we each looked forward to having an opportunity to, to have that time of prayer with each other. And it got to be just a really rich time to be able to share with, with the other brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a lot of differences, right? We have differences in, in worship style. We have differences in how we, we baptize, and maybe how we, we do a communion and how often we do communion. We may have differences in terms of assurance of faith and, and those kind of things. But you know what? We all know Christ. We've all been reconciled through Christ. And uh, we, we have a huge adversary out there, Satan, Who's, who's like a, a you know, as Paul describes, as a prowling lion looking to devour us. And sometimes he's, he's devouring our brothers and sisters in Christ in these other churches. And we don't even know about it, right? Because we're not even aware of those kind of things. On the other hand, there's some amazing things that are going on in our brothers and sisters in Christ in these other churches that could really encourage us. But we never know about it <laughs> because we're just not aware of it. And I just found that taking this time, a little bit of time, and, and what I would do is, you know, before I'd, I'd have my, my Sunday school class on Sunday mornings, I just get started an hour and a half earlier, right? And I didn't have any set schedule. It wasn't like an appointment time. And I just basically said, I'll, whoever is at that church, I'll just pray with them, right? At that point. And uh, 
And it was kind of freeing because you didn't have to do all the scheduling and planning and that kind of stuff. But it didn't really matter. Anybody, anybody's going to be that there that early at the church. It's probably going to be somebody who's a brother or sister of Christ that you would love to be able to pray with, right? And so, uh, anyways, it, it encouraged my faith uh, just by taking time to start praying with my brothers and sisters to see that the body of Christ in my city is a lot bigger than just my church. And one of the things I realized, my, my city's in 28,000 people. And uh, we have, uh, in Xenia, there's, there's uh, 80, 82 churches. I don't know if you can believe that. 82 physical churches. You might say, wow, you guys have so many churches. Uh, you must be, I laugh at people. I say, you know, you, you roll out of bed and you can roll into a church in Xenia. But, but the reality is, there's, on any given Sunday, there may only be 8,000 of those 28,000 people attending any of those churches. There's 20,000 people out there that either don't know Christ or, or know Christ, but aren't in a regular relationship with other brothers and sisters. And there's no way my church can reach all 20,000 of those people. I mean, if they all showed up, we'd be swamped. And I desperately need these other churches in town. I need my brothers and sisters out there to be working with each other. And over time, you start seeing we're not competing with each other. We're actually, this is the body of Christ in my city. This is the opportunity we have to do these things. And we all understand too, and, and we not only do this, one of the things that grew out of this is, is we have monthly times we get together to meet and pray with our pastors from these from these churches and just share a lunch together and stuff. And, and we know that within the four walls of our church, we have our denominational preferences, our understanding of what the end times look like, understanding of how we do baptism and our communion and sacraments and those kind of things. But we all know when we're out in the street, we're on the street for Christ and for the gospel, and we can trust each other within that context. And so it's just, it's just a rich thing to be able to do. And Mark, I'm going to give you one more. You know, this was one of the things in terms of going to my brother and sister churches. But one of the other things I always do on my way to church is I stop by Speedway because I pick up gas cards because I always have people at church that are struggling you know, with gas. And I had one, one single mom that literally ran out of gas in the parking lot of our church. And uh, we had to go get a five-gallon gas can for her so she'd go home. But she wanted to be at church, so she came anyway. She came on faith with that. But one of the things I always do is I, I pray with the tellers there at Speedway and ask them about that. And one of the, one of the gals there, Shelly, is so excited about being able to pray with somebody that every time I come in, she grabs everybody in the store and says, hey, Pastor Will's here, let's all pray. She gets everybody, <laughs> the other clerks, and whoever's in the store, she says, no, man, this is our prayer time. And we just stand there in Speedway and pray with each other. And it's an exciting thing because when I walked in the door, I didn't ask anybody to pray with them. But Shelly said, no, 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 I know you're a person who prays. And I'm so excited about that. I want to get everybody else in the store excited about it, that we can pray together as well, too. And uh, one last story. I was going through Walmart after I started doing this, and I get up to the front of the line, and we had a long line of people behind me. And I'll tell you, it was, it was a rough day. It was a rough day at church and a rough day at home. And I wasn't even thinking about praying for anybody that day. And, and I, I just had gone to Walmart, as I had before. I'm going to go to Walmart and just get in and out. I'm going to grab the groceries and I'm going to get going on home. And this teller gal all of a sudden she starts unloading on me her, this big, tough situation that she's in this week. And I'm thinking, why is she talking to me? And why is she telling me all of this? And doesn't she see that she's got eight people in line? And then after she got done saying that, she goes, hey, can we pray together? And I realized I prayed with her the previous week. And so the next time she, she saw me, she said she was anticipating that I would be praying with her, right? And that's the kind of thing I also realized is that so many people have nobody, nobody praying for them. And we're so fearful about asking somebody to pray for them because we're afraid of rejection, right? We're afraid that they're going to reject us and put us down. Oh, you know, you, 
you right wing fanatic, you know, whatever kind of person that wants to pray for. And the reality is these are lonely, desperate people that don't many times don't have a relationship with our father and don't have anybody praying for them in their lives. And we don't know. People would love to have somebody praying for us. And yet we never take that opportunity because we're so afraid. So I would just encourage you, maybe you've never done this before, okay? And you don't have to go on a Sunday morning and, and pick seven churches to pray for. You don't have to say every time you go to Walmart or Speedway or Aldi's or whatever. I would just encourage you this week. How about one time before you go into the marketplace, right? Maybe it's a coffee shop. Maybe it's Walmart. Maybe it's Aldi's. What would it look like if I could ask one person if I could pray for them today? And then just trust him that, that he's going to give you somebody that will respond to that and you can actually pray for. I'll tell you, in all the times I've asked somebody to do this, only, only once, I've never had anybody tell me no, they didn't want me to have me pray for them. And there's only one guy that I chose not to pray for in terms of his request. And, and the reason I did that was he was a really arrogant guy. And he basically, he was asking me that I would pray that people would respect him. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to pray that you can be humble before God. That's what I'm really going to pray for. But all the rest of the times people responded really well. And, and they said, sure, let's pray. And uh, I just encourage you to step out on that. Uh, take that challenge. Maybe start once a week about doing this. And maybe, maybe one Sunday a month, stop off at another church before you go into yours and just walk up and catch the first person you find in that parking lot. Just say, hey, I don't go to this church. I go to another one, but I just, I just like to lift you guys up in prayer before today and try that out. And I think you'll find it's really, it, it, it's, an, it's encouraging, it, it's invigorating, and it, it will encourage both you and the person you've been praying for. Amen, Pastor Will. I, I was reminded right when you started sharing this about the scripture that I hadn't planned on talking about, but you really encouraged me to to go here. This is out of Romans chapter one. And of course, this is a pretty familiar passage of scripture, verse 16, but it's interesting. Verse 17 is what stood out to me. And I'm like, well, of course that makes sense. But when you tie these together, of course, the Lord always does this. And verse 16 of Romans one says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I want to stop for just a second, Will, but isn't it crazy? Because it's true. Like the very first time you went out, Will, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Should I be praying yeah. for my brothers? And like, and I'm not picking on you, but I'm thinking about all of us. If we're ashamed to share the gospel or to really just yeah. love our fellow body of Christ members, like, I don't know if they'll be open to me praying for them or not. Right. Like, how sad is that? But the truth is, is that it is so rare, Will, yeah. is that we go, wow, this is intimidating. Of all the people it should not be intimidating to is our brothers and sisters, like you said. Right, right. Yeah. But here's the thing. It says, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. But listen to how verse 17 declares this. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So isn't it crazy? Like, I don't ever tie those two verses together, but they're so tied together because yeah. sharing the gospel, right? Not being ashamed of the gospel is the same because it's what? It's growing our own faith. It says, and the righteousness of God is revealed through it. 
from faith to faith. So, Will, I was just wondering, can you kind of describe and all those stories that you shared, which are incredible, and I'm sitting here crying, but dude, can you describe how it's grown your own faith? Yeah. So I think it's given me an awareness that as God operates in a city, he does it through a lot of different channels. In one sense, it's also, it's, it's been refreshing to know that, hey, the burden of reaching this city isn't just with our church. God has a much broader set of his people out there. And so it's given me confidence that God actually can spread the gospel within our city, right? And it's not just limited to us within that context. And I think it's also given me confidence that God is already working in the hearts of people already, right? And, and a lot of times our, our fear of, the, of, of praying for folks and, and sharing the gospel with them is a lot, of, a lot of times just based upon rejection because they think they're rejecting me. It's got nothing to do with me. The reality is that, is that the Holy Spirit's been working on people's hearts already. And, and he's got them to the point where they're ready to hear the gospel. They're ready to have somebody pray for them. And it's given me a lot more confidence to know that when I go out and do these things, it's not me operating on my own. It's really God is already doing his good works. And he doesn't need me to pull any of these things off. But he loves me so much and he loves you so much. He wants you to be a part of those good things. And I, and I think about a time when, when my boys were little and uh, I'd be out, you know, changing a car in the garage and I, I'd call them out and say, help me, help me, help me change this tire. I didn't need them to change the tire. As a matter of fact, a lot of times it took a lot longer having them change the tire because it, it just, you know, teach them how to do it and have them, you know, turn the lug nuts and that kind of stuff was harder. But I did it because I, I had a time to spend with them and they got to achieve something there that they couldn't do on their own was getting that tire change. And I just think about that, that God doesn't need me to save anybody. Yet he loves me so much that he wants me to be part of the joy of watching him bring somebody in his family and let me be a part of that and participating in that. And so I think it's given me a lot more boldness to participate in the joy of God bringing people to Christ and not be afraid of that. Yeah, if I didn't know any better, Will, I think you've been listening to us talk about these things every single week. But it's the <laughs> same things that we've been saying because it's so true. It's like, if you don't believe me, or if you're doubtful or skeptical, I understand that. I was that skeptical too. But here's the thing, man, try it. Well, that's what right. I hear in sharing all the stories that you're sharing. I hear you saying, just give it a try because God is going to meet you right where yeah. you are to bless somebody else's life. And oh, by the way, you're going to get totally blessed in it as well. Yeah. And the other thing I would just encourage you too is when, when you ask somebody what to pray for, don't, don't say, oh, okay, I'll pray for you, then walk off. Because you know what? You're going to forget. You're, you're not going to do that. Come on. Do it right then. And I, I think you'll be amazed that actually praying with somebody versus taking a request of praying for them later is such a rich thing. And so don't, don't steal yourself the joy of praying with a brother or sister or praying with somebody who desperately needs to have a friendship with God and doing it in the moment. That's a, just a, it's a great thing. Well, I love what you're saying. And I think that too often we think about all of the unchurched people, but that's not exactly what Jesus said. He said that we'll be known by our love and that's our love for right. everyone. For and one. I love that you, you saw a place in your own walk where you thought maybe there's more to this. And I think that's the great, right. the great challenge right there is saying there's more to this if I'm going to love like Christ wants me to love, it's not only for the people in the community, but my brothers and sisters 
And I right. love that. And I don't think any of us do that enough. Sure, we get pastors meetings together and we pray for each other, but to stop by a church and just randomly pick some people, that speaks volumes in the body. And I think it's so encouraging. I absolutely love what you're saying. And yeah, yeah. they'll know us by our love, right? Right. And I'll tell you, I've been encouraged. Larry is one of the guys that, that he's he's a greeter at one of the churches and we, we pray every week. And you know what? Larry asked me, what, he says, well, what can I be praying for you for? And as I pray for his church, he and his buddies are praying for my church. And you know what? The amazing thing is by the time I get to my church, I've had five or six other churches praying for my church before I show up there because they want to encourage me as well. It is that amazing thing. It's not just me going to pray for their churches. They're praying for my church. And I've had other pastors say, hey, hey, Larry caught me before we had our prayer time at church. He says, hey, before we get done today, we need to pray for Will. And pray for the folks who are Emmanuel because they got this going on in their life. And the other guys were texting me back. And I, it wasn't the pastor did that. It was it was Larry, the greeter at the door, that did that. And and that's where a lot of times we don't see the, the value of our other brother and sisters Christ. What a joy it is. Oh, my gosh, Mark Bird. I absolutely love this conversation. It's the real stuff. And that's the thing. Will hasn't been a part of any of these. And so that's why I'm kind of laughing in a way, because this is how God is. This is how his Holy Spirit is growing us for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith because the just shall live by faith. And you know what? Well, all you did, I don't want to say all you did to minimize it, but all you did was stepped out the first time and like swallowed it hard and go, yep, I need to go pray for this church. And you stepped out in faith. And now what I hear you saying is God is growing you and his righteousness is being revealed from faith to faith, to church, to church, to body member, to body member. And that's what we're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. I agree, Mark. I think that for those people who are maybe listening, who've never done a revive outreach, there's something about operating the way God wants us to operate that where the Holy Spirit just moves through us and you get a charge. So Will, I can only imagine how on top of the world you felt by the time you got to your own church and how that will just ripple effect through your own church. I think everybody should get out and do this. Yeah, and I'll say, because I know Will Will's not a bragger whatsoever, but I literally saw Will's church be transformed through this just in that one week time because I watched them walk out this love one another thing. I watched so many examples of that and, oh, we could go on and on, but uh, man, it encourages us to keep going in this. Yep. Will, as we, man, I hate to say come to a close, but you have any closing arguments, Will, that you want to share with the listeners today? Well, I guess I would say that if you look, look at the parable of the talents, we're all stewards, right? In American life, we're all caught up in the future, right? Oh, what's going to happen with the COVID thing? And what's going to happen with my job and all this kind of stuff? And we are not doing what we need to do today because we're all worried about tomorrow and the next week. And one of the amazing things in that parable of the talents is, is God says, be a good steward with what I've given you today. And if you steward today well, I'll give you more. But if you don't steward today well, you ain't going to get any more. And so I would just encourage folks to say, don't worry about any of the rest of the stuff. Today's the day God has given you. Today is the day God has 
to pray for him and say, is that God, just give me an opportunity to find one person to pray for them today and then rest. And don't worry about tomorrow or next week. Just do that today. And what you're going to find is God will increase that and will bless that as we're faithful in today. What a blessing. Again, I'm encouraged. I'm stirred up. My faith has grown. Uh, thank you, Will, for carving out this time out of your busy schedule to share with us. And uh, man, I, I've used your example in uh, other future counties very much because it has blessed and stirred me. And thank you for your transparency and your willing to share it with our listeners today. And you've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.